guys, welcome back. Um, today we're going to talk about something that is uh, dear and personal to me because when it comes to uh, spirituality, religion, you know, connection, whatever you want to call it, I personally went on a journey where I started to think about when we think when we talk about this this God or this creator that is you know can't be created is the creator of all. To me personally, when I was younger. I thought, isn't that energy? Isn't that what we're talking about? Because that's the one thing that it just exists. It's it's in, it's in all of us. It's the communication tool. It's the energy tool. It's the everything tool. If you remove energy, there's no life. And when you look at religious scripture, when you look at even go beyond religion, look at how uh, wellness people are talking about how to heal yourself and you know the different areas where you think about how energy is used, it really became clear to me at a young age that that really is what is connecting all of us. It's this, this field that we live in. And when you die, where do you go? You get sent back to it, the energy that's in you, the ability to do what religious religion is telling us about recording every single microsecond of your life and having it documented, that's also energy. So the things that seem like a fairy tale, if you look at them scientifically, are quite possible. And there's a lot of scientists that actually talk about how this is possible. Now, when we talk about energy, what we don't talk about is there's different forms, different versions. Uh, we think of it as one thing. It's not. And we have a specialist here today, Tom Palladino, who's going to dive in deep. Uh, his website, by the way, scalarlight.com. And we're going to talk about what that word means. Uh, but going beyond what I just said of energy being sort of the fabric of the universe, it's it's what connects us all. It's what makes us move and drive and think. Uh, it's what gets the whole world going, the whole universe going. What is energy beyond the electron and what you learn in sort of grade 10 and high school? So first of all, Tom, thanks for joining us. Thank you for the invite. And I, I looked at a little bit of the work you're doing. We're going to talk a little bit more about the therapeutic uh, work that you've done with people. But first of all, how do you understand energy, this thing that we think is sort of find out, finite and one answer can resolve it? It's, it's not. It's really multiple things. You're right. And I believe it's directly from God. I think you, you believe that too. So what is energy? It's a first cause. It's from God. And God, if God is uncreated, then energy, light, is one of his manifestations. So this is so important to realize that energy really serves to undergird the universe. This is the instructions of the universe. If you don't have energy, if you don't have light, you don't have a universe. So uh, we'll get into that today. But I work with scalar energy, which is unique from that of electricity. I don't work with electricity. I work with another energy spectrum known as scalar energy, or what some people might call zero-point energy, or chi or prana. And that's the interesting thing, is people are already talking about this in ways that they don't understand it's what they're actually talking about, meaning, how do I access my chakra? How do I access my chi? You know, th there's a famous acupuncturist here in Toronto that, con that conducts the session with no needles, right? And when I asked, what are you doing? She said that, well, the needles is for someone that doesn't know what they're doing. They need those needles to actually transmit the energy, that to sort of amplify their work. But if you can, if you're doing what you say you're doing, which is manipulating and transmitting energy, you don't need a needle, right? So, so this is, anyway, anyway so to, sorry to cut you off, but that's where, for people to understand, what is the difference between that, that chakra, that chi, the thing that is clinically valid or clinically actionable versus electricity? That's a pertinent point. A chakra is composed of scalar energy. And this is why many people feel that chakras are really the, the embodiment of light. They are. 
There are spinning vortices, scalar energy spins, and those seven chakras really dictate, send out instructions throughout our body for spiritual, mental, physical health. So this science of chakras coincides, if you will, it, if you will, it, it serves to prove the existence of scalar energy and vice versa. There's a second dimension, a scalar energy dimension outside of electricity and magnetism. And this dimension is, is with us. It, we just haven't properly defined it. It's all around scalar energy from the stars. It's everywhere. So the energy, when you talk about being from the stars, when we talk about light traveling, and that's how we're able to see those stars, is that how it's being transmitted? With the naked eye, if you're looking at starlight, that's the electromagnetic spectrum. Right. There's another spectrum, scalar energy, which is there is instantaneous, if you will, communication. So with a scalar energy spectrum, so to speak, it's instantaneous information. So if we were looking exclusively at the stars through a, uh, the, if you will, the spectrum of scalar energy, you would see that starlight at, at its present moment. There would not be a timeline in which electromagnetic energy takes to visit us. So are you saying that the scientific belief that the fastest moving matter we have is light is wrong? It's wrong. It's, well, that's confined to electromagnetic energy. So again, there's two dimensions. If you look at electromagnetic energy, the limit is about 186,000 miles per second. That's true with electromagnetic energy. In a scalar energy paradigm, everything is instantaneous because the energy pre-connects. There is no point A and point B. Everything is the matrix or this, if you will, the omnipresence of God. So everything is already pre-connected in a scalar energy force field. So I remember reading this book from Stephen Hawking's and he was talking about uh you know things that i already believed in but spelling them out scientifically and he was saying he's was uh, when he was alive a staunch atheist right and funny thing is there hasn't been a time in my life where there hasn't been somebody close to me who's a staunch atheist either a business partner a girlfriend or a friend somebody who's very close that has a very polar opposite belief comes you know leads to a very interesting conversation and my point isn't sort of religious dogma right now it's more to say that on the science side take god out of it uh the things that we believe are already sort of proven scientifically in terms of the way you move through time and space etc how do you explain that scientifically to somebody who isn't interested in the sort of god side of what you're talking about Sure. Okay. So if we consider that scalar energy is omnipresent, and it is, and if you will, it's a, it's a connecting, it's an automatic connecting throughout the universe. We connect anything with scalar energy in the universe. Right. Put that into motion. If everything is already interconnected, well, my goodness, then there is no time delay. There is no point A, point B. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's a, a fabric as opposed to an object that moves. Exactly. Exactly. It's not one particular point. Everything is interconnected. So it's the omniverse. Now, if you're looking at electromagnetic energy, there is a, say, Toronto and there is a New York City. Those are two distinct cities. But if you were to look at this from a, a, a scalar energy perspective, Toronto and New York City are interconnected. Right. Everything is interconnected. So this is a different paradigm. This is a different way of looking at reality. Sure. 
So there's, a, and this is not a sort of conspiracy theory, but scientists say that if you look at the way time operates, that when there's a major event, major, major event, God forbid another virus hits us or there's some, you know, bombing somewhere, that there's an interruption to the sort of time-space continuum and things happen that wouldn't typically happen. Like you may, that feeling of, I feel like this person's in trouble, I need to reach out to them, and then they actually are, right? So that super impact, impactful moment. So that communication that we, again, in science, say happens. In science, you can go on YouTube and look at videos about time and how people can foresee things when there's an impactful moment. So is that communication happening through this fabric? Yes, precisely. Um, um, any type of uh, clairvoyance is by way of scalar energy. Prophecy is by way of scalar energy. Intuition, uh, a, a, a hunch. All of that is when you're in that fabric, in that dimension, it's a sharing of information. Many people, yes, can see the future because you're now in that matrix or in the presence of God where everything is information. Everything is instantaneously known. So it's a knowing. Yeah, it, it, it gives credence to the to the gift of pre-science or prophecy. So given that fact and what you're talking about, so I know for some people this this sometimes could be challenging to swallow, right? Like you're talking about time travel now, you're talking about, you know, prophecies and it sounds like uh, you know, fairy tales, but what you're breaking it down in terms of the science of it, the sort of practical well, there's we're not talking about you have to change sort of the perspective where we're not talking about multiple parts, right? Multiple parts need to move from here to there. They need to be able to move at certain speeds. They need to be able to communicate with each other. If it's all one big thing, right? It's kind of like even if you look at the human body, if I poke my toe, instantaneously every cell in my body knows that that happened, right? There's no time lapse. There's no communication required, right? So that time lapse is because we're, again, that perspective changes for those, those of you that are listening and are thinking, yeah, this doesn't make sense, like time travel is impossible. We're not even talking about that yet. Hopefully we will. But we're talking about, the. let's first establish the context. What this context is, we're not talking about a multiple, you know, bucket of parts. It's one fabric. And this other dimension you're talking about really is just a different perspective. It's a layer of here's this fabric that we all live in. And by the way, the way we perceive it is what's active, what's moving. So we're in the moving active part, right? But it's all sort of foundationally laid on, just like in your home, you have a foundation that you never use or look at, but that's what your home is resting on. That's, that's, a, that's a nice analogy. So again, to underscore this matter, when we're working in a scalar energy force field, it's as if it's like a spider web and everything in the universe is interconnected. There is no point A and point B. It's a blanket. Let, let's say you, you at night you have a blanket on your bed. That blanket, although it's woven, nonetheless, it forms, if you will, a canopy over your bed. Well, that's what scalar energy is. Right. It's, it's, it's not one point on the blanket or one point here. The entire blanket covers your bed. That's what scalar energy is. It's the blanket of the universe. So how do we, I, I know you've, you've been working on this therapeutically, clinically, but how does the average person access this? And this is another peculiar aspect. People email me photographs. People will send a photograph and I work exclusively by way of a person's photograph. Why? A photograph carries their energy signature. This is my photograph and it carries energy. 
and my instrument will pick up the force field, the scalar energy force field on a photograph and find the person by way of their photograph. Why? Because there's no distance. Right. Because once you're working in a scalar energy force field, there is no point A and point B. So it's as if this energetically alive photograph represents the person. Even though I put the photograph inside my instrument, it's similar to actually putting a person inside my instrument. And that's because their face is like a fingerprint. And so you're identifying them. So it's not that you're... So again, to, to put this into perspective for people that might say, well, that sounds crazy, you know, which I'm sure some people will. It's We're not saying that you're using this photograph to ask the photograph questions and scan it and identify it, which again is the current perspective that people would have. What you're saying is that send me your fingerprint and I know who you are. Right? If, if I go into a, a police database with a fingerprint, something will pop up if you've been inputted in there for whatever reason, whatever nefarious stuff you were up to, they have your fingerprint, it matches up, right? So what you're saying is that in this fabric, you're able to use that facial fingerprint to determine who you're talking to, and now you're already connected to sort of their information because you know, just like if I were to go into a database with a fingerprint and I can pull up your bio data, your age, your where, you, where do you live, all this stuff, it's just a different database. Right, precisely. And that's a good analogy. So this is the informational database of the universe. It really calls to mind the mind of God, or some people call that a, the Akashic record. Call it what you will. Scalar energy is the, the storehouse of all information. So where, where was this first used? Tesla was the first band to develop scalar energy instruments. Tesla. He realized there was a gigantic difference between AC electricity. He's the father of AC electricity and scalar energy. If you really read Tesla carefully, you'll realize he had two careers. The first was AC electricity. He's the father of electricity. And his second career was really shrouded in mystery, but it was a scalar energy career. Right. So I do know that uh, if you go again, go online, look up Tesla, you'll see all these stories, videos about a project that he was working on that was meant to power entire cities with very little effort, right? And he was he was talking about dipping into an energy source, which wasn't really defined, um, that you plug into the ground and all of a sudden the city's lit, right? And so that's what you're talking about. Exactly. Tesla had uh, two towers, one in Colorado Springs and one in uh, Long Island, New York. And those were scalar energy towers and he was able to deliver energy it's a wireless transmission tower and illuminate light bulbs. How did and he do that? That was the key thing, that it was actually wirelessly. Exactly. If you look at those towers, both of them were in, in, at that time in a remote country setting, so to speak. There were no substations around. What was he doing? He was sending wireless energy. He was about to break the energy crisis. It would, it would have been free energy from the stars, wireless energy, clean energy it could have been distributed anywhere in the world pennies on the dollar but he was stopped so in that sort of work that he was doing you know i understand the, the threat of disrupting sort of the energy industry um it got lost right how did that translate into health how did that translate into healing well i, I don't know if tessa was really so keen on healing at that time. He was, had so many projects. My project is with health. And I'm using my instruments to improve spiritual 
psychological, physical health. So that's my key point right now. And so I want, I will, we'll dive into that, but one more question about Tesla. How did he take this sort of second dimension field that was, you know, the fabric and then convert it into that fragmented, I'm going to use this as call it quote unquote electricity, like to power. How did he take it from one end to the other? I believe Tesla found a way to extract scalar energy from the atmosphere, which is starlight, sunlight. You know, he's such a brilliant mind. Right. And that's the key. We're not working with electricity. So you have to be able to access that other dimension. Tesla was able to access that other dimension. You can do it by instrumentation. My instruments do that. You know, you have to have this peculiar ability to work with engineering and to access a scalar wave, a longitudinal wave. So this, obviously, you're not the only person that knows this. There's other people that have understood what Tesla was working on. So why isn't anyone trying to revive this? And, or is it just being squashed? Are there efforts to say we could power cities? Yeah, it is being squashed. It is being suppressed. And I've asked that question so many times. If this is free energy and it offers mankind such a great promise, where, where's the work? Where, where, where's the support? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's purposely derided. It's, it's purposely, if you will, uh, left on the back burner. The, the powers that be do not want people to realize that there is free energy. This free energy will change the world and subsequently will make obsolete, many, in many cases, many aspects of the military industrial complex. So when you have an energy, call it disruptive, you can call it avant-garde, call it what you will, that will disrupt the military industrial complex, that is a threat. Mm -hmm. And now, where did this so you're using it like we said therapeutically let's dive into that a little bit so what you're suggesting is so on one end uh tesla's talking about hey i can access this source and use it to power wirelessly right solve this big problem you're saying that through this field i can sort of access you as an individual because you're you're intertwined in this field Right. It's, it's this when we think you have to, again, think about it for that perspective. We're not talking about you as an individual. We're talking about you as part of the field, kind of like um, like it's a it's a giant map. Right. You already the person's on there floating around uh, and you found them. And now through that map, you can access them remotely because it's 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 you expand from both edges of the paper in between. So my question then is, what is the intervention where, first of all, what problems can you solve? And what is the intervention being used now that you've been able to find them on this map and sort of access them? Well, let me explain. If I take a photograph of a germ, a microbe, this is the herpes virus, and I place this photograph in my instrument, everything is done by way of interpretation, by light. My instrument will look at the molecular structure of the herpes virus. And with that information, can send that signal, can send that transmission of intelligence into a person. And if a person has this intelligence, this herpes signature in their body, the instrument will negate herpes. In other words, the instrument will send the information of herpes into a person and the herpes virus will break apart. And we call that, we call that reverse phase session. In other words, take a photograph of a microbe. If a person has that microbe, the intelligence sent out will serve to break apart, to reverse phase, to disassemble that microbe. So when you're talking about the photo of the human, we're talking about a, a definitive uh, fingerprint, call it, because that's an individual. 
when you're talking about a general photograph of a particular virus, how do you associate that to the specific genetics of what's in that individual? Okay, good point. So if, if you're looking at um, this from, from a standpoint just of light, if I take my photograph and place it side by side, a photograph of the herpes virus, inside a scalar energy instrument, information shares instantaneously. If I were to have the herpes virus in my body, the instrument would send out that signal and the energy would know to find the herpes virus in me and break it apart. So there's no human input here. I use photographs of microbes to identify microbes in people and then to eradicate those microbes if they exist in people. So when you're working with light, you don't have to interpret anything. You let light, which is a superior intelligence, do the work, so to speak. So is this where what we hear, like if you go on Instagram or TikTok, you'll find everybody talking about, you know, speak to the world, ask for what you want, you know, pray, meditate. And I'm not, I'm not talking about this religiously. I'm just saying in general, you'll see a random kid talking about, I want this, so I, I, I'm speaking it and I'm, I'm going to make it real, right? My thought, my, my voice will become real. Is that what's happening? Is your, your... Precisely, exactly. So what I do with an instrument, if my instrument can, can speak, so to speak, the code of a germ, a microbe, and break it apart, then you can do that likewise through consciousness or through prayer. You've heard of people who can heal by way of healing hands or, or by way of prayer, mm -hmm. or people who, by way of positive affirmations, positive thinking, can bring about a desirable effect. Yes. Why? Thinking is a function of scalar energy. Praying is a function of scalar energy. All intelligence is, is if you will, undergirded by scalar energy. Scalar energy is the intelligence of the universe. And when people unite themselves to scalar energy, then yes, they can effectuate the outcome. Sure. Yeah. And that thought, people don't give it so much value, except for the sort of very recreational level. Like if I see a picture of something that can arouse me, right, I can also think about that thing and get aroused. And so that, that biochemistry trigger shows you how real thought is, right? I just caused my biochemical function to alter because of a thought. So not only can I change, uh, call it making myself healthy, I can also make myself sick, right? Vice versa, it works both ways. It's just, it's not tangible because you don't feel it. So there's things like arousal, like hunger, you know, that you feel. And so it's visceral and you believe it. But there's other things you don't necessarily feel and they also take longer. It's not as instantaneous of picture, the right picture, and I'm aroused, right? Which is instant. And it was literally just a thought, nothing other than a thought that did it. So I literally was able to alter my biochemistry with a thought. Uh, but the other things, I think the reason why they don't get believed as often is because they take a long time. They take longer, right? And because there's no visceral response, there's no feeling. You can't feel yourself killing cancer. Right. So we've experienced this with people. We've also experienced the people that had the most terminal, call it um, prognosis, who did the best, did it. If you ask them why, they said, I, I never gave up. I believed. They don't attribute anything other than that as being the number one thing they talk about first. Right. They may not understand why, but it gets that. And, and I'm not saying that's the key. Deal with your doctor, do whatever you need to do, but understand how powerful thought is. And you're kind of now taking it to the next level to tell us what is that thought doing? 
You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So to underscore what you said, yes, human thought is a projection of scalar energy. And ultimately, the way you think will produce, will, will bring about the world that you thought about. If you can create the world that you want. Yes. Right. So now somebody that doesn't believe that, that says, I'm struggling, that I have tried everything, that I, I've tried talking to the world and nothing comes to me. There's, you know, if you look at it, whether it's religiously or spiritually, there's blocks that are like, you know, you're not connected right? Uh, there's a belief of, uh, if we look at the Islamic tradition, something called barakah, which is, I could earn $100,000 and live like I earn a million. I could earn $100,000 and be broke, right? It's it's not about, it, it's how much value that thing has uh, and what it can create. And that has to do with what the universe gives you back. And the universe, which some people, people believe is the universe, some people believe is a god, right? So how do you talk to the person who's tried? What's that block that prevents you from sending that message and communicating? Let me make this very clear. The block many times is the world, other people, circumstances, uh, misfortune. Move all that aside. Just, just stay with God. Or if you don't believe in God, then just stay with this source of light, which is always true. God in this, this light form will never, will never let you down. It's the people in the world or circumstances, or your job, or your lack of finances, that's the impediment. Move the impediment. Move the impediment. Concentrate on the fundamental cause. Mm -hmm. And that's the inability to, I just can't let go of that friend. I just can't deal with the social pressure. You know, it's uh, so the decision, it comes down to the choices, right? It can be give, yeah. It can be given to you, but you got to. And regardless of what you're doing, and this again applies back to how do you keep yourself healthy? You're born healthy for the most part. Right? You're born with this gift of the tickers ticking, the blood's flowing, everything's working. What happens next is based on your choices, right? And and so you can ask for help at some point, but if you're going to continue the load, well, it's kind of counterintuitive and blocking the help you're asking for. So. Like you said, you got to look for both. So tell us about somebody that went through the journey with you and got healed. I'm going to brag a little bit, if I may. <laughs> over, a, over a month ago, we received uh, firsthand testimonies from people in Tanzania. We've been working with those people by way of their photograph. I've never been to Tanzania. And um, we've been working with them for a few years. They had HIV. We worked with many HIV clinics. And the people from Tanzania provided me a firsthand account testimony that none of them are infected with the HIV virus anymore. Mm. And, and all of them have given up their meds and all of them have returned to a normal lifestyle. Now, they, they realized that they sent me their photograph. They realized that something peculiar has happened, but every person without exception, all of them, all, everybody from Tanzania that sent me their photograph from this HIV clinic in Tanzania, they no longer have HIV. So I understand um, targeting, meaning that you're targeting actual beings, right? You're targeting human and then you're targeting the being within it, the, the virus, which is a thing that is part of the map. I would then wonder if, it, if this applies to chronic conditions. For example, if I'm having a cholesterol issue, it's because I have inflammation caused by my environmental and nutrition choices and my body's using cholesterol to sort of heal me, and then that ends up being a plot problem. So in, in that scenario, 
um, I'm not sure how or if this would even apply because we're talking about reversing cellular damage, which takes time versus targeting and killing a virus like a sniper. Yeah, good, good point. Um, I, can, I can depend upon and I can guarantee the outcome if I'm working with photographs of microbes. Right. However, something like cholesterol or, or high blood pressure or, or, or inflammation or lupus, that's really a different information system. That sadly I've not perfected yet. Do I think it's possible? Yes. Um, I just haven't. I just don't have the knowledge for all medical conditions. And it makes sense. And I'm sure you'll get there because what we're all we're talking about is you're going in and identifying a being living within this fabric, whether human, virus, whatever, and being able to directly through the fabric connect and do what needs to get done. Um, we're talking about the being now has altered their own fabric, right? They've caused damage and that's that takes time to reverse. But I'm sure with research, you'll get there. Uh, so in terms of the actual power, I know that the work that you do is in health and treatment. Uh, do you know of any projects ongoing right now in terms of actual, uh, you know, electricity or not electricity, but powering, powering the grid? I've heard of many of them. Are they going to be successful? I don't know. You're really going to have to think outside the box. If we're going to increase our, our output, our yield on electricity or a scalar, we need a new approach. And, you know, we've, we've perfected motors. We've, we've perfected our technique. My druthers is just to work with scalar energy. I am not interested in electromagnetic energy. Do I think we will be able to duplicate Tessa's results and, if you will, deliver this free energy, scalar energy to the world? Yes. I, I would forecast within the next 10 years, if God gives me the wisdom, I'll have the ability to send out energy, scalar energy anywhere in the world. That's, that's one of my goals. Right. And, and, and in part and parcel of doing that, it sounds impossible, but we are not actually talking about sending. You're talking about accessing, manipulating, and providing, meaning that it's already there. You're already sitting right next to it because you're part of the fabric. You're just not accessing it. So you're providing that conduit, that connection. Exactly, exactly. So this is the beauty. Uh, many people say, well, how are you going to do this? I say, well, it's very simple. I don't have to build the power plant, the stars of the power plant. Right. All you have to do is access the power plant, the stars. And this is what Tesla was doing. His, his towers, his scalar energy towers were not generating energy. They were collecting energy. Yeah, collecting existing that's, energy and exactly, providing access. That's the big key. You know, I've looked at his work and I, there's no power station anywhere near these towers. There's no electrical wires. What's he doing? He's collecting scalar energy. So you make me think of, you know, recently uh, the world's been crazy the last couple of years. And, and in this level of craziness is where more crazy comes. You know, when and we talked about this in the beginning, where when you have calamity, it brings to the surface other things and people connect and they start to feel and sense these things. Um, just recently, the U.S. government finally started opening up about UFOs and their documentation around it and just openly saying, yeah, it's it's that's there. We just haven't talked about it. And now we're going to start talking about it. Right. Uh, and that news, which three years ago would have been the biggest news that we'd still be talking about. It kind of disappeared because there's so much other stuff going on. Uh, so when you talk about this power source, it's not only infinite, accessible, right next to you at all times because you're part of the fabric. It is, is it also more powerful where it would explain things like the ability to 
you know, pilot a, a, a spacecraft where we see these lights zipping around in these videos that we wonder that the U.S. government is finally saying, by the way, these are real. Uh, is that what's happening there? I, I believe so. Um, there was a scientist, Viktor Grubenikov, who developed a scalar energy flying platform. He was able to negate uh, gravity with a scalar energy platform. So in the future, we will be able to to uh, propel or transport ourselves with scalar energy in an anti-gravity uh, fashion. That's the future of transportation. Hmm. So when you think about how is this even possible, I mean, even though, again, our, the U.S. government is openly now saying, yeah, it's there, um, it's still hard to believe. So for some people, so you're saying that here's how it's possible because we have an energy source that can produce that type of outcome. Yeah, you're right. And it's it's been proven, at least this great Russian scientist, Berbenikov, he proved that. Right. And when was that? Uh, <clears throat> that was a good uh, 30, 40 years ago. And obviously his research was likewise suppressed. Right. And he was working for himself or for the government? Himself, he, in, independently. And, and, you know, the communist government of Russia um, got in the middle of it and they, they suppressed his research. Right. Okay. And so tell me if you, I don't know if you've done any work here, but there's, you can go check anywhere. And when you do work about the, you know, the, the pyramids and, and the Mayan Riviera and in Egypt, etc. the thoughts are all around some sort of, um, sort of architectural design that has to do with energy. Right. And a, a, a civilization that w would potentially even be maybe more intelligent than where we're at now, more advanced, that for some reason disappeared. Uh, and I'm not suggesting there were different people. I'm just saying that what they knew, maybe we lost, which is possible. Right? So how much do you know about that? And in terms of that design and how it sort of channels energy? Many obelisks, many pyramids are, are at least passive uh, collectors of scalar energy. And that, that in and of itself shows you that geometry is so important when you're trying to capture scalar energy. Okay, so the, sh the shape and the geometry. So there was some knowledge that we didn't get passed on. Uh, and so some of those things that we hear may be true, you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, a, it, it's a shame that, that it's taken so long for us to realize that there's two energies and that we should have listened to Tesla over 100 years ago. Right. We would have solved so many of our problems had we incorporated his free energy towers. So if you go uh, to sort of academic establishment, if you go to a university that talks about electrical engineering and is teaching their students about how to manufacture whatever, uh, is this belief part of their system or do they negate that this even exists? Um, I, academia has not accepted that there's two dimensions and it's a shame. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, academia is just concentrating on the electromagnetic spectrum, you know, which is valid, but they have to be more open-minded. And so how, I, I mean, this is the, the challenge of your lifetime, but how do you get them there? You have to prove it. You have to prove it. Okay. And that's what I'm trying to do with my website. I, I give away free sessions to people and, and the people, the people, a grassroots movement will prove this. And if, if there are merits, if, if this is of merit, then people will say, yes, this deserves to be studied. But you, you have to prove it first. Otherwise, it's just talk. Yeah. And I, I and what you're doing is amazing in terms of 
you know, putting your time where your mouth is and doing the work because, I mean, anyone listening should know that Tom has said that this isn't about uh, business or profit for him. He's doing this work for free, meaning he knows what needs to be shared with the world. And so anyone that's listening, by the way, you know, go to the website, scalar, S-C-A-L-A-R, light.com uh, and put your info and he'll work with you for free. And his whole intention right now is to collect the data, which he already sort of anecdotally has proven through various people that he's worked with, uh, but to get enough of it where it's, it's hard to ignore. And anyone that's, I would say two things. If you're doubtful, if you're skeptical, and this sounds like a foo-foo science to you, try it. Try and see what happens and if there's an impact. Uh, and if you're excited and you kind of think there's things that you're hearing here that sound familiar that you'd like to explore, also try it. Tom's going to work with you for free. So first of all, that's awesome that you're doing that. Uh, how, is there a team or are you doing this all yourself? I'm the only researcher. That's, that's me. And are, let, let me make this clear. Um, not that I want to be at this in a solitary capacity, but it takes years to understand this. And there's no money in this. This is not an industry. This, right. this is a thought. This is theory. So how many people are going to study for years without compensation? Right. It's not going to happen. Right. Are there other people that you know that are also working on this type of research currently? Yeah. And are you connected or? So it's very fragmented. People, but you know, I, I, I really just, I don't have time to divest myself. So I just focus on what I'm doing. I understand. That's awesome. So, I mean, any recommendations for people? Uh, I'm sure people are going to take advantage of the ability to, to sort of try this out, work with you and see what happens. But beyond that, your perspective and under the way you understand the universe for someone who doesn't get to work with you, what should they be doing in their habits and changing? You know, that's, a great, that's a great point. The human mind and the human heart are scalar energy vessels. When you think you're projecting scalar energy, your emotions are scalar energy. So what's my point? You make or break your life many times. The way you think, the way you feel, that's a scalar energy projection. And to go back to our comments earlier, many people, by way of their thought, can manifest something or by way of their feelings can manifest something. Is there a science behind that? Yes. Thinking is a function of scalar energy. Feeling is a function of scalar energy. And this is intelligence. And sooner or later, the way we think, the way we feel, is the way we create that's the world we create so you know the funny thing is that i've heard um so when the first open heart surgery happened we're talking about way 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 back when we're talking literally uh, before modern medicine they found that this was the one organ that you could remove from the body that had a mind of its own right it would still keep ticking they would they would place it on ice uh let it you know and and we don't really talk about that today, but the heart literally has its own electric system that keeps it running. It's the one organ that never stops. You don't need to think about it, right? So, um, and it's interesting because the, the feelings you put out, like you said, just like your thoughts will alter your reality. And there's people that will speak to that all the time. Uh, so what you just said aligns with what is known scientifically but not understood why, right? So you know, we know that our hearts have an independent electrical system. We know that they operate independent of everything else. Uh, but what is that for? I, I've always thought that sun energy, star energy, 
is responsible for the circadian rhythm. What gives the heart instructions? It has to be some type of light. I say it's scalar light. So you could see many times, you're right. You could take, you could actually remove, surgically remove a heart and it's still receiving sun energy, intelligence, and it's still beating. Right. There, there's, there's truth to that. So if a heart can act independently of the human body, then it's getting an external stimuli. What is that external stimuli? It's sunlight or starlight or scalar energy. Correct. Yeah, that sounds amazing, man. So the work you're doing is incredible. Uh, I hope everybody appreciates. You know, it's it's sometimes it's shocking to hear things for the first time, and that you do you got to take it and look at it. But uh, if you look at the the science of it, the, the specific things you're saying have not been studied and proven. But there's other things that are studied and proven that exactly mirror what you're saying. They're just not packaged the same way. They're not labeled the same way, right? So the things that guys like Stephen Hawking talked about, if you dive deep, you'll see nuances of that this is kind of the missing piece that explained what they were trying to talk about, right? Or what they were researching. Uh, and what explains what you see in religious texts, what you see in, you know, meditation books, in yoga apps, right? Everywhere you look, there's the mind and body and heart. Uh, there's a sense of connection. There's a sense of how do I put my thoughts out there and change my future? Uh, no one's explained how it works. And you're kind of telling us that, well, we're not really putting it out there. You're in it. You're part of this fabric. Uh, and be careful with how you operate because keep in mind, it's not you independently flowing through this universe. You're interwoven just like everybody else. You just don't see it. Well, well, well spoken. So we all are responsible for our thoughts, our feelings. And yes, I can't underscore this enough. We create the world around us. If, if you look at your life, by many circumstances, you created that life. You're responsible for that. Right. And if you, if you take ownership of that and you make the corrections as you need to on a daily or weekly basis, you can improve your life. I always try and improve upon my life. And I don't, I don't complain. You know, if, if there is a, an outside source that adversely affects you, got it. Get rid of that. Avoid it. You're in control of your life. So take that control. That's awesome. Uh, Tom, thank you for joining us. You know, I'm going to ask you one more thing, just kind of off topic. Uh, when we talk about the two dimensions, uh, the two different sort of energy sources, we also talk about, again, in physics and quantum physics, this is studied multiple dimensions in terms of un the universe, multiple universes stacked, right? This is being studied academically right now. Are you saying that scalar energy transcends that and is sort of multidimensional in itself? There's two dimensions, there's two realities. What we know of the electromagnetic dimension is true, it's valid. There's another dimension with other types of laws, so to speak, scalar energy dimension, that is a different reality. Right. It's a different reality. You can call that a parallel universe, you can call that a different reality. There's two energies, there's two dimensions, there's two realities. So consider what I'm saying. A scalar energy reality is to be preferred to that of an electromagnetic reality. Clear. I got it. Thank you again, Tom. Uh, again, for everybody, S-C-A-L-A-R light.com. Tom's not even asking for anything. He's going to do this work for free. He just wants more data, more people on board supporting what he's doing. Uh, 
uh, I urge you again, whether you're skeptical, skeptical or excited, just jump on board and see it, try it, right? So thanks, Tom, for again, for coming and sharing your knowledge. Awesome to have you here.